up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy. It is Thursday, August 22nd, 8.40 p.m. With me, as per usual this month, is my girlfriend, Sam Swayze, for a special guest appearance to make this the jam podcast, as you call it. Yeah, the jam. The jam. So you have to speak. That's what the people have requested. No, no, they didn't request anything. But the ratings are up. And I appreciate you coming on, so thank you for uh, for taking out your uh, time and your really busy schedule. Thanks for having me. Okay, so uh, big news. I'm going to Chicago this weekend. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, I heard a little bit about it. I'm going to Chicago. It's my friend Charlie's bachelor party. Shout out Charlie Smankowski. Um, going to leave on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Kidding. I know when you'll be back. <laughs> kidding. Monday around like 2. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I've been to Chicago before, but this is going to be like uh, like like my first time as like an adult there, so I can kind of like control, you know, like what I'm doing instead of just like, you know, holding my parents' hands and stuff like that. So, um, anything I should be uh, should be doing while I'm there? I've never been to Chicago. You've never been to Chicago? I've never been there. I didn't know that about you. I used to actually want to live there. I thought that I was going to pack my bags and move over to Chicago. Oh. And that why? did not happen. Um, so <laughs> I saw Juliana Rancic from E! News and her husband, like, lived there, and oh, I kind but, of okay. fell in love with it through their reality show, Uh-huh. and I thought that was going to be for me, and, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. No. Okay. Interesting. Uh, thanks for that tidbit. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Uh, we're going to the Cubs game on Saturday, which is, like, kind of, like, the big part of this bachelor party, but, uh, we're not in Wrigley Field kind of stinks but what's really cool is we're going to be sitting on top of someone's apartment in like bleachers like what's really cool about this is i don't know if any other stadium does this in baseball where you can literally sit on top of like you you can buy seats on top of someone's apartment and yeah it's like a legit cubs game experience and it'll be really cool out there there's talk of of guys going back to the game on Sunday to go inside the stadium. I think that's a little expensive to be doing that, but you know, maybe if there's like really cheap Sunday tickets, we'll do that. I don't know. Sunday's kind of up in the up in the air, but right now the big talk is um doing this, you know, this game on Saturday, which will be a lot of fun. And then a big fancy dinner Saturday night, but I don't know how that's going to work considering we're all going to be like really drunk and like full of hot dogs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the I don't know if the mic caught you on that one, but Sam said yum. Anyway, uh, it'll be a great time. I'm really excited to go. We don't really have a big like super plan just yet, but I'm uh, I'm just pumped because I think it. We've done this now four straight years. We've done a baseball game, a gr- like you know the group of me and my friends. We started out doing Boston, which by the way. I'm taking a thousand percent credit for this baseball trip continuing and becoming what it is. Now you might say, why Jake? Why is it not like a group thing? Why are you not being like, you know, a team player? Because it was me. No one wanted to go to Boston. I said, guys, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to Boston. It was February. I said, I'm going to Boston in May. They're playing the Indians. I've never seen uh, Fenway Park and I'm going to go. If I have to go by myself, that's fine. No one responded. No one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But then I like cornered Bill and I was like, hey, you'll come with me, right? <laughs> and he was like, he was like, ah, uh, yeah. And then Owen got me one time. We were like drinking and he was like, hey, I really want to do this. And I was like, okay, well, now we have three. 
And then uh, we were, you know, watching uh, Sweet Sixteen, and we got Brendan when he was drunk, and we're like, "You'll come with us, right?" And he was like, "Yeah, why not?" And then, uh, like a week beforehand, Pat asked us. He's like, "Hey, what are you guys doing next weekend?" And I'm like, "Oh, we're going to Boston." And he's like, "Who who invited me?" Like, no one invited me. And I was like, "Uh, bitch, I invited everybody." So, uh, Pat ended up joining us anyway, and we jumped in my car. We did the Red Sox game. It was a blast. And then we did Pittsburgh the next year. We dressed up as pirates, arg. And and then last year we dressed up as just guys in Adidas jumpsuits from Jersey. <laughs> and, uh, hey. to, yeah, we were really obnoxious, either doing Canadian accents or just doing Jersey accents the whole time. And uh, in our Adidas black jumpsuits and gold chains and really clean white Adidas shoes. Uh and uh, we sat front row at the Toronto Blue Jays game. Do you guys have matching outfits for the Cubs game? We don't. I suggested that we just all wear a white t-shirt and in plain letters write Charlie's Bachelor Party. That's a lot of letters. Yeah, plain letters. Yeah, but that's a lot of people that you need for like letters. No, not like one letter per person. Oh. <laughs> I just meant like on your t-shirt, write Charlie's Bachelor Party. Because you know how it's like, like we, we joke with Charlie because everything's so like plain. How funny would it be if it was like a plain white t-shirt and Charlie's Bachelor Party written on it? Sounds great. Well, yeah, your reaction was the same as everyone else's. They're like, that kind of sounds dumb. So I don't think we're matching at all. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Regardless, I don't think we need to. I just want a picture with the guys because it'll be four straight years of doing this baseball trip. And we have two bachelor parties to plan for next year for Brian and for Bill. So uh, maybe get another baseball game in there. So another weekend of you not seeing me. I'm so sorry. Uh, you'll be missed a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. This is the first time since moving in that we won't be, you know, together at night. Are you okay with that? I'm going to enjoy all the space I have in the bed. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, and I snore a lot, so that'll yeah, be so someone I'll else's be problem. sleeping without earplugs. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, yeah. no earplugs it's, this weekend. It's looking better and better. <laughs> Are you going to have the rain app on still to drown out the noise? Yeah, of course. Okay. So Chicago will be a blast. If anyone has any suggestions, please hit me up, comment below, uh, or just you know let me know because I'm really excited and we have like all day Sunday to kind of just do whatever and no one has made plans yet. Lou Malinati's is a pizza I want to go get because everyone talks about that being like the best. Um, people say get the burger at the Billy Goat Tavern, the cheese burger. Is what it's called. It's with a Z and it's Borger. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, they say that's great. And uh, there was like roost chicken, but I'm like, I'm not going there for like chicken. So It's not really something I would get from Chicago. Yeah. I'm just going to get like hot dogs and pizza. Yeah. So we're going to call it that. Uh, but yeah, if you have any suggestions, let me know. All right. So moving on from Chicago, though, there was a lot of big news this week. Big I've, news. I've heard. You've heard. Baker Mayfield did an article with article article an article with GQ magazine, Gentleman's Quarterly. Uh, Odell Beckham was also on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine. A lot of a lot of Browns noise on the same day, literally within like the same hour. So much that like the Ringer article about the Browns just got completely washed away because everyone was like, "Guys, we have to argue about this." So what happened was Baker Mayfield said. In an interview, in April, mind you, remember, this is April, right after the Giants drafted Daniel Jones. He's sitting down with this guy before the interview starts, 
Uh, his name's Clay, whatever, Simpson or Wimson, whatever. He sits down with them and he says, like, hey, can you believe this? That the Giants drafted Daniel Jones. He's like looking at the TV because it comes up on SportsCenter. And he's like, it just blows my mind. Like it blew everybody's mind back in April. All Giants fans. You too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what everyone was saying. Literally everyone was like, the this worst, is... The worst pick. Yeah. I mean, you saw people's faces during the draft and they were like, what the... People, the F, man. people freaked out. I had to talk a lot of my Giants fans' friends down off of a ledge. They're like, this is the biggest waste. I bet on it that they would take them, too. And I, I was like, hey, they're going to take them. We actually missed the actual selection of them. We were watching Avengers. I was crying in the movie theater. <laughs> um, I decided to give up the draft this year before the for the Avengers, and it was so worth it because that movie was great. But... I watched the replays, though, and the Giants fans' faces when this happened. Giants fans were not happy about the selection of Daniel Jones. And so Baker Mayfield apparently was way out of line to suggest that the pick blows his mind. He later goes on and said, you know, this guy says, yeah, I'm shocked too. What do you think? Why do you think we still can't figure out what goes into selecting a great quarterback? You know, it's the most important position in sports. Uh, It really does decide if your team is good or bad why it, you know it's a multi-billion dollar industry why is this so hard to figure out it's so important and baker just basically says well he's like well you know there's a lot of things that go into it but at the end of the day it's just all about winning can your guy win he wasn't even talking about daniel jones at that point so take those two quotes that he said that it blows his mind that they took him and that at the end of the day it's about winning and everyone took those two quotes combined them to make him say by the way, Baker Mayfield called Daniel Jones a loser in his GQ article, which is so ridiculous. And then Baker had to defend himself, but it was already too late by the time Baker defended himself. He reached out to Daniel Jones. He shot him a text. Daniel Jones handled it like a pro, which was very nice that like he didn't like you know lash out. But again, this is Eli Jr., so what was he going to do? Yeah. So, I don't know. It just threw me off on Tuesday or whatever day it came out because I was just like, just arriving to work, and then this shitstorm hits my desk. I'm like, oh my god! Now I have to defend Baker to my friends, and I'm done. I'm done defending. I'm like, if you're on, you're on either, either you wear brown and orange or you don't, Sam. That's true. Yeah. So and you're, you're only important. And, and if yeah, you wear yeah. Brown or orange. If you're only, you're only important if you wear brown and orange. You're gonna start wearing brown and orange. You you matter. But I need to stop, like getting so riled up by all these comments by Giants fans, because guess what? Now, Giants fans don't like Browns fans because Browns fans are too loud and our quarterback is too cocky. Well, I think what it is is that the Giants have been terrible lately, mm-hmm. and from what it seems, the Browns are shaping up to be pretty good this year. Yeah. So, I, you know, I didn't know that there was a, like, rivalry between these two teams. There's, um, there's not. It's only happening off the field. It's, it's just interesting, and it's, like... Who cares? Like, and Baker doesn't seem to care, so I don't think you should get as a uh, riled up about it. And like you said, like you don't have to defend them. Let like their wins defend them. Exactly. You you just said it perfectly. If Baker doesn't care, let the wins speak for themselves. So I'm excited. I I'm uh, for the Brown season. I really needed to just be September already. I need this to just. W- it's been way too long of an off season. We need actual football to be played because the Browns are ready. They're ready to roll. I'm ready to go see them play, and I'm ready to start winning football games instead of being the, like, oh, what have you done? And everyone's, like, ripping Baker and being like, oh, he's only beat one winning team ever. And it's like, all right, we get it. Like, he's only he's only played half a season or a little over half a season. So, 
Now, listen. Okay. I am not as huge of like, you know, all your guy friends as a football fan. Uh, You know, I'm a girl. What do I know? But I'm excited for Baker. And I think like definitely you being a fan helps. And so I know more about him and your team. But Mm -hmm. like I'm excited for him and I hope that they do well. And I hope that my Giants do well. It's not looking good. But But it's everyone's zero and zero right now. Yeah. I don't know why everyone's hating on Baker. You know what? He's a very divisive player. Uh, He speaks his mind and he's unapologetic. And a lot of people like him. And I think once football is being played, people are going to like him more. Right now, it's just been a really long offseason. And you can't do anything in the offseason. He did the GQ article. By the way, read the article. If you read the rest of the article, it's pretty cool. He says he grew up and like he was like, yeah, you know, I was always the smaller guy in my group. I kind of was like a little bitch for a while. Call himself a little bitch. Like, that's hilarious. And he just has this chip on his shoulder. And people are saying, some say he doesn't need the chip on his shoulder anymore. And I'm like, no, that's what drives him. That's what makes him who he is. And he um, he's, like, constantly signing autographs. He's on the TV at the Indians game. And uh, when he beat the Jets, and this was, like, the end of the article. When he beat the Jets, his girlfriend at the time, now wife, Emily, like, went up to him and was like, I can't believe you won. You came in. And... And like she said, he was so just like stoic, not stoic, but like so just collected and calm. And he was like, that's what I came here to do. I came here to win. And like that's all Browns fans want. Does it help that our, that he's like super fun and like cocky and like really good? Yeah, but we want a guy that wins. I think you should be a little cocky when you're a professional yeah. athlete. And, you know, you should like mm-hmm. – I just, I'm tired of these, like, buttoned-up robotic, like, QBs who, like, it's boring. Yeah, and that's what Baker also said. He's like, look, if you want, like, the, you know, robot court, he didn't say robot, but he said, he's like, if you want the, like, cookie-cutter quarterback, that's what he said. He's like, there are guys like that, but that's not me. That's not who I am. Good. Okay, so I think we can agree on that part about Baker. Now... The GQ article is out there. I suggest everyone read it because it's actually really good. The other article that came out was Sports Illustrated. Now, Sports Illustrated did their preseason preview of the NFL. And they put the Browns on the cover. Which, in the past, has been a big jinx. Now, it's not always a jinx. There are plenty of times players go on the cover and nothing happens, you know, and and, and it's fine. But um, the SI jinx is out there. But you know what? The Browns have had so much shit thrown at them through years that's like fine throw us more jinxes and it's whatever like this browns team is either the team of destiny or it's just another you know flop in the sand i think they're the team of destiny now in the article odell mentioned how he thought the trade was personal from the giants he thought that when the new york giants traded him they had better offers from bigger cities like san francisco and he thought he could have went there, but they wanted to send him to Cleveland to, like, teach him a lesson and to, you know, send him off to die. Now, a lot of people are saying, why would they do, like, Odell's wrong. The Browns are an up-and-coming team. They sent him to a team that's up-and-coming that's that's not sending him to die. But I think Odell is a point because for the longest time, the stigma about Cleveland was you don't want to go there. It's never a destination for players. And a lot of times guys do you know kind of see the end of their careers when they go to Cleveland what do you think 
Uh, I think that Hotel is an extremely emotional person. Yeah. So okay. this does not surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I don't want to say that they would be so like vindictive against him to send him somewhere to you know die. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe he did. I mean, you know, they. Ha- I feel like the Giants and him had a very like love hate relationship in a way. Like he talked a lot of crap about his own QB and team mm-hmm. and yeah. that never is a good look. But no. you know, he also, you know, won them games. So I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It's it is tough. And I can see I understand where Giants fans are coming from. I used to be like I used to really hate some of the shit that he would do. Like the goalpost or the kicking net stuff. Um some of the celebrations. I'm like a lot of it is unnecessary. But, I like that stuff. But you love that stuff. I, and, love, and, I love a celebration. I love taunting. I love when players get pissed off. I love fighting. Because it means you're passionate about what's going on in the game. That is true. And that's why I tend to see that side of things now. I'm like, I do want a guy that's passionate. I want a guy that wants to be here. And it seems like he does actually like being here so far. I mean, mainly because his best friend is Jarvis Landry and also on the team. Baker Mayfield and him seem to get along really well from their off-season, like, workouts together and stuff. And the fact that, like, you know, he's a quarterback with a big personality, which I think that's going to help because when Odell has a big personality, he needs someone that's going to talk to him and not, like, no no offense, Eli, who's (laughs) kind of just like, Eli's like, hey, it's fine, let him go do his thing, whatever, and I'll just continue to do my thing. And it's like, I think think this Browns team, a lot of people think all these personalities is going to backfire. Whereas I think they're working together really well right now. And from everything you see from training camp, from Coach Kitchens, who is also new at this, every time Coach Kitchens talks, he's like, this is great. Like, he says exactly what you want to hear, which is kind of funny that he gets this negative rap all the time that's like, oh, he's not going to be able to do this. It's like, he's proving it every day that he's able to, like, coach these guys together. Now, if they lose a couple games, do things start going south? Maybe. Um, Or... Do they just play together and play hard and this is all like the perfect, you know, chemistry thing? I'm kind of hoping that that's the case. But think, we'll see. I'm excited to see them. Yeah. You know, I was very upset when um, they traded Odell. I was very upset. But yeah. I, like I said, if he was going to go anywhere, I'm happy it's the Browns because I have someone who roots for them. You so, do. You root for them. Now. And I really like Baker. So yeah. I'm excited to see the two of them. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun this year. I'm just really excited for football to actually start and instead of like all this like off-field crap where all you have to do is like turn on Twitter and you see a bunch of negative messages and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm over that. Same. I'm ready to just play football. It's just because of all the rules that they set, I think, is a lot of it. And then just a lot of stupid stuff of like what's set in press. Like yeah. nobody cares. Yeah, and they – and. Ugh. I could, I could go on forever about Colin Cowherd and Michael Rappaport and all these loudmouths who just know that negative Browns hate will just lead to more clicks because Browns fans are very passionate right now and we want to defend our team. And I get it. It's a, it's a great source of clicks, but I don't want to like overreact anymore. So I'm ready for football. You ready for football? I'm ready for some football. What do you think about your Giants this year? Oh, God. It's going to be the same old of Eli, like, just not making it and his stupid faces. <laughs> and then, like, they picked, like, a basically Eli Jr., who also gives stupid faces. So this is it for the rest. 
for the rest of my life. It's just stupid face quarterbacks from the air. Oh, shucks. We almost had it. <laughs> well, you know what? I can't hate on too much because, you know, he won us two Super Bowls. and like. Of you course, know. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm here as but a guy it's been, who's... it's been awful to watch. The Browns haven't made the playoffs in 16 years. In that time, yeah. Eli's won you two Super yeah, Bowls. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, when I don't... When you're used to winning, you expect the best. Oh, my God. You wouldn't know what that's like, but for <sighs> us, it's been torture these last few years. Oh, <laughs> poor baby. That's the worst, is that, like, there are rankings out there of, like, the most tortured fan bases, and I saw the Giants were the number one most tortured fan base, and I literally launched my computer at the person next to me and killed them. No, that's not literal, but um, I I was so angry when I read that, because I was like, are you fucking kidding me? The most tortured fan base is not the New York Giants. No, impossible. And then the guy's reasoning was, well, A, I want clicks, because that's what everyone does now. But his real reasoning was, he's like, no, Giants fans have a higher bar. So the fact that they've been really bad the last two years really hurts. It does. The Browns went fucking winless two years ago. But that's what you're used to. No, no, it doesn't matter. It, they went winless. They won zero fucking games. If you're lo- if you're used to always losing, Ugh. it can't be that bad to lose. Sam, there was like a period of like, I don't know, like 700 years where they won one game. Well, exactly. So you should be used to it. No, it's still torture. And it's, you know what? I understand what the guy was saying. But I just wanted to beat him with a pipe when he said it. Because I was like, you know what? These fans aren't tortured. Maybe they've been tortured the last six months. But no. When we're talking tortured, we're talking about the Browns haven't made the playoffs in 16 years. All the hype that's surrounding them right now is after they won seven games last year. This isn't a lot. Now, if we make the playoffs this year, you're going to hear a lot of annoying Browns fans, like one being your boyfriend, but like a lot of annoying Browns fans out there because we have been just sitting on this for years, just ready to explode with excitement. Well, I I mean, that's fine. That's great. I hope that you guys make it to the playoffs. I'm excited. Between one of these two teams that I'll be rooting for, someone better make it. Yeah, the Browns. The Browns will make it. The Giants... You know what? They'll be uh, they'll have a good draft pick, <laughs> which is what I'm used to. <laughs> so, moving on from football because there's going to be a lot of football talk in the future. Going to have uh, Tom Scotto come on and talk fantasy football next week. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun because got a couple fantasy football drafts coming around Labor Day. Labor Day weekend's going to come up fast. I like well, I like Labor Day. I think it's an underrated holiday. It's not my favorite. It makes me sad. Yeah, but. Don't you like September now? As like an adult, we don't have to go back to school. Like it's not like summer breaks over. I like September, but it's just the the still got beaches, um, still got beach weather. Yeah, the feeling is just gone. The summer feeling is gone. Oh, everyone loses that feeling. Yeah, and you know what? The magic. August has gone really fast, and July went really fast, and June went fast. Like these months went really fast this summer. Yeah, this was this was tough. And it I mean, you know because, I love fall. Yeah, but, I know you love fall. But Labor Day is you sad. Are, you are like, you know, a white girl. You're a I whiter girl than I am. I don't I am. drink pumpkin spiced things, so yeah. I'm not sure where, what you're getting at here. I don't either. <laughs> because, like, because I like the cooler weather. That's the reason why I like fall. Okay. All right. 
apple picking, pumpkin picking. No, I like to wear like jeans and sweaters and enjoy true. I do you know weather where out. where I'm not sweating. Yeah, that's true. But I like being tan. So You're not really that tan now though, so I am tan. Okay. I'm tan. You are. This is some assault on my character, not just my physical appearance, but my character now. Anyway, we're done with done with done talking football right now. Um I feel like we never even finished like the whole Odell thing, but I do think it was a little personal that they traded him, but I don't think they turned down better offers is my point. Um, but I like that he has a chip on his shoulder and I think that's going to play into the Brown season. Yeah, use a lot it of chips. then. Use it. You exactly. Whether you die or not is up to you. All right. So enough football talk. Moving on to entertainment. We've seen a lot of movies recently. Sure have. Some throwbacks, but also some in theaters. So how do you want to start this? There's one that I want to end with, so I don't want to do that one first. How do you want to start? I can't even remember all the ones that we've seen, so, all right, so I'm going to leave it up to you, Mr. List. Okay, so we've got a lot. We're going to just bang them out right here. Okay. All right, so when I say it, I want you to give me your like minute-long synopsis and a grade, and your grading scale is however you want it, all right? So we're kicking this movie review off with Con Air. Oh. Con Air. Okay. So I have to give a synopsis? Yeah. Give, okay. What did you um, think of the movie? What did I think of it? Yes. I, I really, I liked it as, it was it an 80s or 90s? 90s, 90s movie. I liked it as a typical 90s um, Nick Cage movie. Yeah. It was, it was, I thought it fit the 90s genre perfectly. Yes. It's funny that 90s is an actual genre of movie but, but it, it is but it i mean is. well any decade because when you look back at 80s movies too you're just like oh i mean this is just typical 80s yeah true that's a good point and it was it, like the action was pretty cool for the 90s i thought the bad guys were great john malkovich ving rames yeah danny trejo i think the whole premise is really cool like yeah. putting cons on an airplane and, yeah. and transporting them and you know Shit hits the fan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little ridiculous, but it's awesome. Well, I'm also, I know you're going to hate this because, you know, Nick Cage is like your top five. Top two. Top two favorite actor. But yes, yeah. he's just so overdramatic at anything that he does. Yeah, but so that's it's part just, of his charm and part of his good acting. Oh, his charm? I wouldn't say good acting, but. It's, I'd say it's great acting, I would yeah. I'd say it's overacting. No, overacting but, is good acting when it's done well. Continue. Okay. Go ahead. But it's your review. Uh-huh. I mean, that's kind of what makes the movie the movie is like, you know. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen Con Air but are still enjoying this review, uh, it is a movie about a bunch of uh, criminals being transported to a new jail for the most dangerous criminals in the in the United States of America. And Nick Cage is actually a good guy that accidentally killed a guy while defending his wife uh, down in Mississippi at like a bar one night. And since he's like a Marine. His hands are like lethal weapons, so that's why he was thrown in jail, because he shouldn't live to the same standards everyone else has, because he needs to control his hands better. Anyway, he's in jail. He's being transported on his last day. He has a chance to leave, but he's like, no, I have to I have to protect these people, because on the plane, <laughs> the, the cons take over the airplane. And it's awesome. John Malkovich is a great bad guy. Yeah, he is. And Danny Trejo and Ving Rhames were badasses. John Cusack was his wild, eccentric self playing, like, the cop that was, like, you know, like, following them on the ground. It was a fun movie. It is fun. What do you give it as a grade? Ooh. Um, I'm going to give it 
a solid B minus. A B minus? Yeah. It's a pretty good grade for this movie. Um, I'm going to give it three and a half stars. And in terms of like, what is that? I'd say see it, but like nothing more than that. Yeah. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying you got to see this movie. It's a classic. Okay. So that one minute movie review was like three minutes. So we got to be a little better. We, you do this every week. I do this every week. All right. Next up. <laughs> I love MacGruber. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start us off. I fucking love MacGruber. It came out when I was in college, and me and Tom and all of our friends fucking loved this movie when it came out. It is chock full of great one-liners. Will Forte is one of my favorite actors in the world. Um, this movie was so under the radar that like nobody knows about it, and those who do know about it are like, "Oh, that stupid movie." Not a stupid movie. You didn't want to give it a chance, but you did give it a chance because you loved me. And what did you think? I, first of all, I remember when this movie came out and I was like, that looks like the dumbest movie possibly made in the entire world. And I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to see this. Fast forward. I saw it. I really liked it. It was so funny. I really liked it. It's so great. I laughed out loud a couple times. At really stupid parts, but I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. I it made me like Will Forte more. Um, and then since then, I've heard interviews about um, him like creating McGruber, and I like him even more. Yeah. Um, but I really liked it. Yeah, it's great. Um, it, it's one of my top two comedies of all time, and I'll give you my other one in just a second because that's going to play into our next movie review. But. It really is that good. His one-liners are hilarious. It's wildly inappropriate, but it's just such a funny movie. I mean, in what other movie, and, and your guy Dak Shepard brought it up on, on his podcast. He's like, in what movie do you build up a character scene for like five minutes only to kill off all the characters? That, yeah. yeah, I mean, he spent all this time recruiting these like his team, and then he just blows them all up accidentally. It, Will Forte is amazing. It sounds like Matuber has always has always been like a dream and that he still wants to make it happen. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but I mean, in my book, and this is the comedy grade scale. So comedy has a different grading scale than others, but this is a 96. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what beats this? There's one other movie I'm going to get to in a second. A 96. A 96. On the comedy scale. Because comedy scale should not live to the same scale as other movies. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. That's just very high. Yeah, it's great. I don't know if I'd put it that high. Okay, what would you give it? It doesn't have to be a number. It could be whatever kind of scale you want. Uh, I would maybe put high 80s. Okay. I'll take that. I mean, we feel very differently about it because, you know, that's... Yeah. I just think there's nothing wrong with this movie. So... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So there there it is. All right. Now, the only comedy I have it better than is another movie we watched together. Superbad. Wow, really? Yeah. I think Superbad's the funniest movie of all Okay, time. so you don't think that, like, Bridesmaids or The Hangover is funnier than either of these two? No. No, I think wow. it's Superbad, MacGruber. Then, then you get into Hangover, Bridesmaids, Wedding Crashers. I'm going to disagree with and, you. And Big Lebowski. I'm going to disagree with you. You're going to disagree with me? I would put those higher than these two. Okay, well, what do you think about Superbad? Because we watched this the other night when we were going to watch Waiting, and we decided, nope, we're going to watch Superbad instead. My appreciation for Superbad has grown the mm-hmm. more that I've watched it. It was another thing where when it first came out, like, I thought it was funny, but I don't think I, like, now I think it's funnier than I 
originally did. Yeah. So movie- I like it and it, it's done really well and mm-hmm. I just like love the characters. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's still not up there. For me, a really good comedy, like if I'm putting it high in the 90s, it's something that I've had to like really laugh out loud a lot about. Yes. Um, and both Bridesmaids and Hangover, I laughed until I cried. Um, and even like Wedding Crashers, like I would put the, it above those two. So okay. that's where I'm at. See, I just don't think there's anything wrong with this movie. Like I can't make it any better. There are a bunch of comedies where I'm like, I wish they did this. I wish they did that. But Superbad, also it came out going into senior year of high school. So I think that's a very big like turning point for me as like a like appreciative fan and like i could relate a lot with the characters because they were in their like final week of high school and this was a big launching point for michael Sarah and jonah hill seth rogan was still a little unknown at the time where like everyone knew who he was but he wasn't like a star yet bill Hader was also in this one uh Christopher Mintz Plotz was like in his first movie ever. He when he was he was seventeen and his mom had to be in the sex scene where he was in that. I mean, so like I mean, it has to be like the worst experience of for a person of all time because I mean, his mom's just sitting there while he's like, you know, supposed to be having sex with this uh, girl in the scene who's also like twenty five, which makes it even weirder too. Emma Stone. Nobody knew who Emma Stone was in this movie. That's true. And she films this, and now all of a sudden she's a you know a, a uh, Academy Award winner. So I don't know. There's just no critiquing Superbad on my part. I think it's the like the funniest movie of all time. I think it's hilarious. And I think it still stands up. So I give Superbad a ninety nine. Wow. Yeah. On the comedy scale. Okay. Yeah. Comedy scale. Superbad ninety nine. MacGruber ninety six. And there's a couple around there at like 94, 95. I'd have like Hangover there. I'd have Wedding Crashers there. Um, I think Step Brothers is close. Step Brothers is probably like a 92. Step Brothers is great. Step Brothers got a lot of one-liners. So maybe that's what we'll do. Next time you're on, we'll do a top 10 comedies. Okay. Because that'll be a lot of fun. It would be. So would you remind me to do that? Yes. Okay. So moving out of the comedy range, though, we've also been on a big Quentin Tarantino kick. Yes. All right. We reviewed Kill Bill before. Um, you know, you've seen Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, but there's a couple movies you hadn't seen. And one of them was Django Unchained. Really like Django. Now, well, we actually reviewed this and Inglorious Bastards because we watched them on like two nights out of three. So what do you want to review first? We can do Django. Okay. So the Django, Django is the D is silent. Yeah. <laughs> I should go by Jake with the D in the front. That'd be so much fun. Damn you, Django. <laughs> Damn you, Django. <laughs> that movie is very good, too. And a lot of people have it on, like, the higher-ups of the Quentin Tarantino list. You wanted to see this one. Yes. What did you think? I thought it was great. Yeah. I loved it. I thought, and I think that, well, Leonardo DiCaprio is one of my favorite actors, I think, along yeah. with a lot of people. Yeah, like, he's you know, great. Yeah. Whatever. Basic. But he's so like overlooked for his acting and it it frustrates me so much he was so good in Django and the fact that like was he even nominated he was nominated he was nominated for best supporting actor but like the fact that like he won his first ever award for Revenant over like this yeah I was just like oh I don't I don't get it because he was so good yeah I mean look Revenant was just it was like it's about time when he won. Well, that's how yeah. I felt. It was they were just like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a good movie. Like I liked it, and he did great. But I feel like the critics were just like, 
you know, we gotta throw him something because it's been forever of him. Yeah. Like, giving... I mean, sometimes it's just the fact that he just had bad luck. Like in this one, he lost to the um, uh, Doctor King Schultz in the movie. You know, he lost to Christoph Waltz. So he, you know, Christoph Waltz won for yeah. King Schultz. He also won for Inglorious Bastards, which we're doing next. Um, yeah, Regardless. Leo DiCaprio is great in this movie. Yeah, and he's really great. Um, Jamie Foxx was really good too. I feel like we. Could, I just hate Kerry Washington. Like her, uh, yeah, I don't know what you have against face, her. Face like bothers the crap out of me. Why? I don't know. Did she do something to you? No, I hate her, and I just it reminds me of her. her um, from the show she's from. A scandal? Yeah, like, which I never watch, but I just hate so her. So why do you hate her? I don't know. It's something about her face. Oh which is gosh. weird because, like, you know, I loved her back from the um, Save the Last Dance days. What? Yeah. So there was a breaking point for you with Kerry Washington. We yeah. need to find that. I think it was during interviews when I would hear her during interviews and I would just be like, God, she's so annoying. Okay. So I don't really love her. And I feel like during Django, she just screams a lot. Yeah, yeah, like, she's not asked to do a whole lot. And it's lot just in annoying, and her screams were annoying. Yeah, I thought the premise of Django was was really cool. Yes. Like he's basically a bounty hunter that freed a slave to become his bounty hunter partner. Um, I thought one of the most quintessential Quentin Tarantino scenes was the scene where all the guys in the Ku Klux Klan were oh. meeting before their raid and were, like, discussing the bags and that the holes weren't big enough in the bags. I'm like, this is the perfect Quentin Tarantino scene. Something that should be really intense, and he just makes it funny because, like, it's just people talking. And Jonah Hill's like, these bags, these <laughs> you know, these don't fit. They're freaking out. And the one guy's like, I think... We all appreciate what Donna did with the bags. Yeah, the guys. However, maybe they weren't done as good as they could be. And the one guy's like, this is ridiculous. I asked my wife to make these bags. And we're talking about literally the KKK yeah. uh, doing a raid. And it's like, they're literally just talking about how they're like, God damn it, Bill, your, your wife can't figure out these holes in the bags. It's unbelievable that Quentin Tarantino continues to make like such serious scenes so funny. I think that's what helps with such serious topics. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have to add that in there, otherwise, yeah. you know. Yeah, because then it's like you, you kind of just look like a you know you're making a serious movie, and yeah. it's it's Quentin Tarantino's movies are very out there and different. So I love Django. I thought this was great. Uh, I give it a ninety-one as an overall score. Because uh, I, I just really don't have much criticism of the movie. I thought Leo, Leo DiCaprio stole the show. I thought Jamie Foxx was very good. And uh, I just think it's a really... They have multiple very cool scenes. It never felt like it dragged. No, never. Yeah. It went pretty quickly. It's it's up there for like the top Quentin Tarantino films for me. That's another list we got to do. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready if you want to do that after we review all these movies. Yeah, I think what... Yeah, I think so. So, um... Uh, next up is Inglorious Bastards. One movie you didn't want to see. I didn't. You had no interest in seeing Inglorious Bastards, and I told you you're gonna like it. The thing that stuck out to me was the intensity of this movie. I fucking love a good intense movie scene, and this had like four of them. It was another one of those things where I remember seeing the previews, and I was just like, 
I don't know. And then I think, and this is going to sound so silly, but I think I really jumped on board of the hate Brad Pitt train after what he did to Jennifer oh, Aniston. God. And I was just like, I hate him. That's it. And I don't want to see him in anything. Oh, Sam. What are yeah, you doing? I know. So I decided to watch it. I said I would give it a chance. And I think this is my top one. Yeah. Of Quentin Tarantino. I thought it was fantastic. And you're right. Just the, there's so many scenes where it's so intense. Mm-hmm. And just it's done so well so one of my favorite scenes in any movie actually two of them are in this movie and it's not even the scenes that people pick out one of them is the opening scene with the french guy and the you know christoph waltz playing um the jew hunter comes into his home and they have this very serious conversation where it doesn't start out as serious they're just talking about like how they live and he's talking about milk and he's talking about rats and then just it just the tone shifts and he's like, by the way, if you lie to me, like I'll I'll just kill you and your family. And then he's like, you're harboring enemies of the state, are you not? And just the way he says it and the way it's delivered and he's staring at him and the French guy's like shaking and he's crying and you're like, this is so good. This movie and like right off the bat, they just hit you with the most intense scene possible. And I look over to you and I'm like, oh, you're in. You're like hooked on oh, the movie. Yeah, for sure. It was, was it was really quick, and you were in on this movie. And the other scene that really gets me, um, I mean, people love the scene in the bar underneath. Yeah, like that's that's really great. But I love the introduction of the bear Jew, um, Donnie Donowitz. When you meet the Inglorious Bastards, they captured a couple of uh, the German patrolmen, and they're like. Like, you know, asking one for information because they're like, look, we're going to get picked off unless you tell us where this next German patrol crew is. So why don't you point them out? And he's like, and if you don't, I'm going to introduce you to the bear Jew. And the guy's like, I refuse. And then you just hear the clack of the bat in the cave. Uh, The way they, they slowly zoom in on the cave, they have the music coming up that's originally from the good the bad and the ugly that they like dubbed over or whatever i forget the the artist's name of that but it's really good and it's just it's it's the first time that i thought this movie's kind of like a western but done about the fucking world war ii and the nazis it was a very cool way that like quentin tarantino like kind of introduces westerns into his movies with the music and the solo shots and like the zooming in and out at the same time trick. I, I fucking love this movie so much. I really loved it. I enjoyed it from start to finish. I actually could have like watched more of it. Like if it, if they had, you know, another half hour, I'd be good to go. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. I mean, I would have, yeah. I mean, give me more of that cut off, (laughs) cut off half an hour from hateful eight and a half an hour for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and added to this one. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So that leads me to the final movie. Well, we need to give it a score. So I give this one, it, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stay away from numbers. I'm giving this one five stars. Okay. And Glorious Bastards gets five stars from me because it's a must-see. Everyone should see it. It's intense. The acting is phenomenal. I think it's a really cool s- switch ending. And it's just the way everything is done in this movie – is exactly how I would want to make a movie. Did you say Christoph Waltz? Did he win for one, this? One for oh, best supporting okay, actor. Good. Oh, he was only supporting. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But yeah. like, he was kind of a star. 
he was like a star, but he won for supporting actor. Yeah, he 100 deserved to. He was amazing. He was great. He stole the show <laughs> in the movie. His intensity. Now, do you think when he was meeting Shoshana in the for the strudel, do you think he knew who she was? I don't, and it's never brought up though that no, yeah. It's just a theory at this point. Some people, I don't because I feel like he would have Some ki- people he say he her. did know and he was just keeping her close to the vest. No, because even in the in the end, he's not watching her throughout no. like the end of Not in the movie. So if he was like worried about her or cur- or knew, mm-hmm. I feel like he would have like approached her and cornered her during like the movie scene. I think Quentin Tarantino intentionally didn't address it. So that we would wonder. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think that's why he was like a, I don't have an answer. It's just, how do you take it? Because Shoshana escapes the first scene where he's supposed to kill her and ends up living her life in France. And uh, it, that's another intense scene. That's just what's so great about this movie is you have the scene in the bar un- underground, which is so intense when everyone kills each other, which mm-hmm. is awesome. It happened so fast. I was like, wait, everyone mm-hmm. died? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, you literally had me pause it. You're like, wait, is everyone dead? I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, one guy shot him in the nuts. The other guy shot him right back. Another guy stabbed him in the back. Another guy had a shotgun and pulled him in the face. I still thought someone was getting out of that alive. I mean, other than who did, I thought that. even And the one person who did get out of it alive was killed later that night. Yeah. So, crazy movie. Lots of violence and death. But... If you could, like, put violence behind you and, like, not get, like, so squeamish when you see, like, dead bodies of blood and stuff. Even though Jeff Lowe, one of my favorite podcasters, uh, he says the one thing he can't watch in any movie is when they stick the finger in the bullet hole wound. Oh, that's just, yeah. Yeah. It's it's the worst for anything. Yeah. It's it's rough, yeah. But what do you give it as a grade? I'm going to give it a 96. Okay. I'm gonna give it a 96. That's a great grade. Yeah, that's a great grade. It's a great movie. So it is a great movie. Wow, enjoyed it. So that sounds like it would be your number one Quentin Tarantino movie. It just might be. You know, a lot of people are saying the best Quentin Tarantino movie actually just came out. No, people are not saying that. People are saying <laughs> no. That. People are saying <laughs> Once Upon a it. Time in Hollywood is the best Quentin Tarantino movie. Who are these people? Well, Jeff oh, Lowe. Yes, Jeff not, Lowe. Jeff Lowe from. <laughs> From, from you boys, one of my favorite podcasts is Lights Camera Barstool, formerly Lights Camera Podcast, done by Ken Jack, Trillballins, and Jeff Lowe. I met Jeff Lowe at Parker House, it was really cool. He uh, first at first big timed me, which wasn't cool, but then he came back later, pat me on the back, and he was like, Hey man, thanks for listening. So I like, you know, I was like, All right, that's cool, but I called him. I called him Large Canine, which is like an inside joke for people that listen to the podcast. Ooh, inside. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jeff fucking loves this movie. Now, I don't love this movie. I think it's done really well. We're talking about Once Upon a Time. We're on to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we're going to do a little segment I call Settle the Score. Because Sam and I have been debating this movie for like three weeks now. Okay. I'll say this. When we left the movie theater for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... The one thing that stuck out to me was I left disappointed. That was the big word that I chose. I had very high expectations. I didn't know what to expect. I just knew they were high expectations. Now, I understand you have some concerns. You think I changed my score after uh, <laughs> listening to the podcast. Sure but do. you also kind of listened to the podcast and you heard them out too. I 
agree that I th- I think that what had happened was um, we did have high expectations, and so when we did come out of the movie, we were both disappointed. And I think yes. that it took me a while to kind of get over that disappointment to then be able to mm-hmm. um, like give it a, a proper like score rating or whatever. Yeah. So yes, I did give you a hard time at first because after <laughs> listening to your boys on the podcast, mm-hmm. you came back and you were like, Oh, it was actually like a good movie. And here's why. And I was just like, what? By the way, big shout out to lights, camera, pod, <laughs> lights, camera, barstool for making this podcast because you know, you're now at the center of this contention. Um, one of the things that I did that I did think about afterwards was I gave this a 78 and I thought, okay, I had really high expectations, like high 90s and 78 is still a pretty good score. And you're wondering, why would you give it a 78? You left so like upset, but I compare this to modern a pizza in New Haven where it was really good, but I just couldn't give it a great score because it was lacking something like modern was lacking sauce and I'm a sauce guy. I need sauce. This movie, I think it needed it, it needed more like consequences. None of the main characters died. Spoiler. You know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a spoiler review. I literally just gave away all these movies, so this is a spoiler review. But like none of the main characters died. Like Brad Pitt, he was stabbed and later shot, which people are telling me he's not shot, but I thought he was shot on a ricochet. Regardless, he was injured. That was it. Um, and like no one else died. And I just thought the amount of characters they introduced in this movie, I think they spent too much time on like Al Pacino and Luke Perry and RIP Luke Perry, by the way, uh, Luke Perry and Timothy Oliphant and all these like actors that like, it took away from the main storyline and I would have liked more of the main storyline. I thought it was a really cool thing they had going on. Obviously like the Manson murders is like a big deal. And I see what Quentin Tarantino was doing. He was writing a love letter to Hollywood, which I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, like, what? that's fine. You're writing a love letter to Hollywood, even though there was no romance in the movie. Sharon Tate's existence in the movie was completely unnecessary. Um, they could have just had that girl that looks like her play her and appear in the final scene. That's it. Like, she wasn't important. And that whole, like, scene of her, like, going to the movies and watching the movies of herself... I was like, this doesn't do much for me. And this doesn't do much for the movie itself. And I know people say, the well, they do that in Inglourious Bastards. They do these character developing scenes. Yeah, but those all come full circle because everything comes together at the end. It's like, this one, the only thing that came full circle, like, yes, I know, like, Tex came in there and, like, tried to kill them and he didn't. But, like, they never even made it to, I think there should have been another scene where Brad Pitt, after Brad Pitt was, like, killed in the house. That's what they showed it. They should have killed Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt dies. He's leaving the in the ambulance. Leonardo DiCaprio then sees Sharon Tate, and Sharon Tate's like, what happened? Did anyone, is anyone hurt? And if Leo DiCaprio was like, no, 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 everyone's fine, it then shows you just how vain of a character Leo DiCaprio's character was. And then he goes into that house, and then fucking Charlie Manson or whoever shows up, and then they have that hash it out in that one. And then maybe he then brings out the flamethrower, flamethrower, and that's when they introduce that part. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. I have a lot of ideas on what they could have did differently. All in all, I think the movie was really well done. It was intense. The acting was great. I think Leo DiCaprio might win again. 
I just think it was lacking a little bit of a punch. I mean, I I agree that it, it was lacking. Um, but first of all, like, I mean, you didn't really say, like, what the plot of the movie was. Because there was no plot. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that was the major thing for me, was that there, there was no plot. So going in, I know a lot of people thought that it was going to be about the Manson murders. Um, and the fact that it didn't really revolve around that wasn't what I was upset about. It was that there was literally no plot. You had Leonardo DiCaprio who played like an actor who was basically like on his way to becoming a has-been, um, if not like there already. And then you had his bodyguard who also is like a nobody because they're not even using him anymore yeah. for stunts. And then you had like basically like Leonardo's like obsession with the fact that he lived next door to like Sharon Tate and yeah. like hasn't met her or and Roman, Roman Polanski. Polanski. They could have killed Roman Polanski by the way. You want to like add more drama and more suspense and more like, you know, stakes to the movie? Kill Roman Polanski. That guy's an asshole in real life. They could have just killed him yeah. and like that could have been part of the thing of but like saving Sharon Tate if cuz if that's what they wanted to do, they wanted to save Sharon Tate. And I know they had some like blowback from the actual family about this, so I understand like yeah, I they had to the act differently. Really wa- watched if they had blowback because it was. Well, they just had a lot of conversation with the family about the movie. Is apparently like they didn't want it released on the anniversary, so they released it. A week I think early that the family that. was okay with it. The her friends were not okay with it. Oh, okay, and I that's see. what it was. But regardless, I felt like there was no plot, and it was a two-hour and forty-five minutes. Or half hour. It was like 2.39, I think. It was almost two hours and 45 minutes of a movie. And I feel like you could have cut out 45 minutes. I was bored. Yeah. Like, during a lot of it. And I, at one point, I looked at my, which I never do during, like, a movie theater. Like, I looked at my phone to be like, what time it is. How dare you. And then I saw that there was a half hour left. And I was like, well, something has to happen. Yeah. Because we're at, like, you know, 30 minutes left and still nothing has happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Part of my negativity stems from the stakes. And, um, it like, you know, I need stakes in these movies. And it didn't feel like anything was at stake because it was like every time something was, like, intense, everyone just walked away. And I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, I liked – I mean, I get the whole, like, build the suspense and then nothing happens, build the suspense and then nothing happens. Yeah. Like, I get it. And I get his whole idea of – you know, like, it's supposed to be, like, once upon a time, and people are saying that these Manson murders at that time, like, did change how, like, innocent and free, like, society was and felt, and it, like, ended that period. They should have spent more time on the Manson family if they were going to make those the only deaths of the movie. But I don't think they wanted to make, like, focus on that. I think it was, like... I think he was caught in the middle of, like, this was too real. You know, this was a real event that he took... And people that lived and died from this event and wanted to change the outcome. And I think that's a problem because when you do that with World War II, like everyone was dead from, you know, like the from Inglorious Bastards. And he made up some characters. And by, by the way, I want to throw this out there Brad Pitt's character in this one of uh, Cliff Booth was not Aldo Rain Light. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's just Aldo Rain. That's not true. Aldo Rain and, and Cliff Booth were completely different characters. I want that out there in the universe. Okay, it's out so. there. It's on the record. Okay, thank you for putting it on the record. I will say that Leo's acting in this is probably one of my favorites. Yeah. I wish like, it... he was fantastic. Oh, he's and I, awesome. I wish that there was more of a plot and storyline because it 
would have made me like love this movie. Like the acting in it was great. Yeah. I also don't think that they needed a high paying actress to play Sharon Tate. No. I feel like they wasted it on Margot Robbie. And I, I had a conversation with my coworker and she was like, yeah, but she was so good at it. And like, she's so beautiful. And I was like, okay, but you could have got any blonde, beautiful actress yeah. to play for the amount of time that you saw her. The in amount this movie. they're pumping up Margot Robbie to be in this movie. You're like expecting a lot of things out of Margot yeah, Robbie. Yeah. And she, like, she, and was, she said like five words. Yeah. She was so much better in like her other movies, like the one, the yeah. skating one and Wolf of Wall they, Street. I think they spent a lot of time on cameos and like bit actors that were played by do, really good actors. Which he does do. Like I get yeah. it. Like that's his thing. Yeah. But I just, I just feel like they spent too much time on characters that weren't ideal to, like or, you know, pertinent to the storyline. I don't know. That's just... It was missing something for me. It was missing. And so for that, like I was, I just, so my thing is someone had said like, um from the podcast that you listened to, someone had said that plot, what were they saying? Like uh, hook, line and sinker. No, 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 no. <laughs> like basically like either the plot is like the condiments it does or the, Oh, Quentin Tarantino said plot is condiments. Yeah. That's not true. Well, he wrote the movie. Okay. He I don't care. I don't care. In order to make a movie, you have to have a plot. Otherwise it's just actors and actresses on a screen repeating lines. Okay, I'm with you, and I think like there has to be a story, and there was no story here, really. Yeah, there, there, there really wasn't. It was just the Manson murders, but it didn't happen. And it was what if the Manson murders didn't happen? That was his love story of, of hey, Hollywood didn't die with the Manson murders because the Manson murders didn't happen. So I get that's what he was going for, and I understand, and I appreciate it, and I thought he made a good movie. I thought the acting was great. I thought like the filming was great. There are so many things that were so cool about this movie. It just was missing a big punch. And I loved the final scene. I thought that was great. I just needed... I, that needed to be the second of two scenes, in my mind. And I don't know what they needed to do differently. But that maybe... I mean, if it was so clear what they needed to do differently, maybe I would have had an easier time giving this a score. But I don't know what they needed to do differently other than just give it a more of a punch. Um, another little tiny complaint I had is Leo DiCaprio when... Like, he he was, like, freaking out about his insecurities in the trailer. I thought he was so good at that. But, like, we all saw that coming from a mile away when he was like, I'm not going to take another drink. I'm not going to take another drink. And then he takes a drink and he, like, throws it. And I'm like, I feel like this is done every year in a movie or a TV show or something. And, and you know, so the guys from LCB were pumping up, like, oh, that's the clip they're going to use when he's uh, at the Oscars. And I'm like, I hope not. He was, was so good. good. He was so good in that movie. It was like that is a, a like I bet Quentin Tarantino hated that line. That's my my little my my thing because it was like that. I thought Leo DiCaprio was so great in that movie, and that was like just a movie line that I've seen a thousand times. Maybe, but I thought the whole scene in that trailer was great. Yeah, I thought he. I thought he was. His insecurity was great. Yeah, he played I mean, that he insecure actor so well. Which is why I was kind of hoping it would come all full circle a little bit with like it ending and Cliff Booth, like if Cliff died and it like really didn't matter to Leo DiCaprio as yeah. much as his acting career. Yeah, I, I agree. thought that was something they could have like twisted there. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know. They could have changed things. So settle the score. Sam, I want a hard number score out of you for this movie. Well, I would put it in the 70s. Okay. So I'll give it like a 75. Okay, great. I gave it a 78. And I think we're pretty fair. Yeah. Okay. This is great. We settled the score. We at were at we were at, we were odds. at odds. We were really at we're odds. Very passionately arguing. Yeah, you did not like that I was being forgiving to the score, but you know what? 
that's uh you know this is this is why we love each other and we can like hash this out now last <laughs> this seg- is what our fights are about movies <laughs> yes this is what we fight about the other thing was this really ruined my day yesterday and you had to like calm me down spider-man well, I gave you the bad news. I should have never done that. You shouldn't have. Yeah, you were like, I lost you. I lost you for that night. Yeah. Um, so Sony and Disney could not come to an agreement. Now, there's not some hard deadline. But the longer they wait to come to an agreement, if they do eventually get to one, the worse. Because, A, Tom Holland's not getting any younger. And he's supposed to be playing a young Peter Parker. And also, the... MCU is developing and happening. So if they want to make more Spider-Man movies in this MCU, they need to come to an agreement. I think we're still going to hear a lot about this. But right now, I think Sony is airing the laundry out publicly because they want everyone to freak out and Disney to say, to come back to them and say, all right, we can make a deal happen. So that's what I think is happening right now. But right now, it's not looking good for Spider-Man 3 or people that want to see Spider-Man in the MCU. I think they'll come to term. They'll, like, come to an agreement. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was not good news for people, fans of the MCU. <sighs> Especially since I've been getting so excited about what other bad guys they could be introducing yeah. and what else they could be doing. I really just wish Disney would just buy Spider-Man back. It's That'd just so really, cool. like, a BS move on Sony's part because it's like... All the other Spider-Mans compared to, like, this one mm-hmm. were, like, nothing. Yeah. Like... And now you, Sony thinks they could just do it again with, like, yeah. Andrew Garfield and, like, make those shitty movies over. No, they're going to fucking ruin it. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. Like, they need to... But I get it what Sony is coming from because they hold all the cards. So they're like, but why do... But I also do- feel like they should have had better deals in place mm-hmm. when they first started making these movies because, yeah. like... You can't just change, yeah. Like midway through, I it's going to change. They like, had a deal with Tom Holland, but they didn't have a deal with Sony. Like that was. It seems like Disney came into this poorly because they should have had a better deal with Sony to make a Spider-Man trilogy. I agree. He he showed up in Captain America: Civil War, and he showed up in both Avengers, the last two Avengers movies, and then he had his two own two movies as well. So like they should have had a better layout. But you know what? I think they're going to come to an agreement here. So. I think so too, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, I think they actually did a good thing by airing it all out and making people now. I we'll hate see, Sony. We'll see how boycott Sony goes. I want to see people not go to. They have like a big movie coming out soon. I would really love to see that movie do so. What movie? I forget. Um, I mean, it's nothing to do with the MCU or anything like that. No, it's know. just another movie, and um, oh man. And you know what? It would be great to see this movie like kind of like fail and people to be like, well, maybe Boycott Sony worked. <laughs> like maybe people are actually boycotting the movie. So I feel like they should because this is ridiculous what they're doing. They're basically saying that they want to take 95% of the top dollar uh-huh. of what this movie grosses in the first day. That's like insane. Yeah, it's an insane number. Um, the one thing I understand though is that they do have the rights, so if Disney wants something to happen, they're going to have to come meet them somewhere in the middle. So, they are playing it smart, but they're just looking like fools. So, we'll see. I don't know what the movie is that Sony released, because I'm looking up on Fandango right now, and I can't figure it out. Um, Regardless, I hope it flops. I hope it flops, too. Unless, like, it, then, unless it's my fav- like some of my favorite actors, then I don't want them to flop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, 
I, I feel like if it, it had your favorite actors in it, you I would know, know about it. it. Yeah. yeah, but I don't really know what studios put out movies, honestly, until I'm there. Oh, I see. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's coming out for Boycott Sony is anything Spider-Man related. So. All right. Well. Regardless. All right. There's almost, we almost forgot one movie review, so we'll do this one really quick. Um, but we went to see Blinded by the Light the other night. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. Very charming movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, little, uh emotional there a little emotional i got a little emotional it's a yeah so did i it's a good it's a good movie it 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 goes beyond just this kid who's a really big bruce springsteen fan in 1987 uh it's well it's well done i really like the way they like incorporated the lyrics to like when it was like when he was either singing it or um when he was like dancing around or when he was playing it in his room or when he was like in the hurricane outside um the lead actor was very charming. Yeah, yeah. Charming. I thought everything was done really well. And, uh, you know, the relationship between him and his dad, I thought, like, I was like, wow, that was some powerful stuff. They, they made that really good. And and just, uh, you know, it was a very emotional movie in, in that regards. Uh, I, I, wanted, I wanted the um, Thunder Road scene where he's working in, like the, uh, like, the market or whatever when he's working for his, like, buddy's dad. I was kind of hoping that would be a more of like a fantastic, uh, like sing along kind of like uh, pointless musical scene, kind of like what you have in Five Hundred Days of Summer and a lot of like the Disney cartoons and stuff. I was kind of hoping that would get a little more ridiculous there. I don't, I don't know if that's just me. I was just hoping it would be one of those like pointless sing-alongs well i feel like they kind of had that with i can't remember what song they used but the one that they like blasted through the school and then they were running all around town yeah they did that too i i just mean like i was hoping all the students were turning into background dancers at some point oh okay i don't know they had they had a little dance thing though for the other number yeah they did and and i enjoyed it and as a big bruce springsteen fan it was easy to like the way they incorporate Jungle Land in the movie was really good because it was when, like, there was a big fight and, like, the racism of, like, you know, people towards, like, his Pakistani father. Uh, I mean, it was it, it was a really powerful scene. And they talked about how the poets around here don't do nothing at all. And it's like, oh, man, he's the poet. And he did nothing to stand up for his family. I was like, damn, this movie. So, really good. And I would suggest it for any Bruce Springsteen fan. It's just fun. I would suggest it for anybody, but... Yeah. Yeah. What do you give it? Uh, I'll give it an A. An A? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it... Four stars. As in, go see it. You'll love it. It's charming. Charming. So, charming is, I think, a very good word for this movie. I think so, too. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, we're watching two current shows on TV right now. Bachelor in Paradise and Hard Knocks. What do you think so far? For like three weeks into both. Um, Bachelor in Paradise. I'm so ready for this Demi stuff to be over with. Yeah. Um, They're dragging a lot of shit out this 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 year with her. The Blake stuff wouldn't end. Now the Demi stuff won't end. I mean, I was really pissed the way that they just like brought Demi's girlfriend there and left Derek. And now they're playing this whole Derek for Bachelor stuff. Like, I think this was a whole play right from the get-go. That they're like, look, Derek... She, she, you're, she's gonna break your heart, but we're gonna turn you into the Bachelor, and I feel like that's what they're doing to us right oh, now. No. Is like they're that. making us? I feel, but but it makes sense though, right? 
And do, no, they're totally make, makes they're sense, making but... us sympathize with him. They're trying so hard to make us feel heartbroken for him. And it just doesn't make any sense that they would invite her girlfriend on the show. Well, it makes no sense for her to be there in the first place. They wrote this in. Like, this is scripted. You don't just, I know. You don't just pick. First of all, like. Why would she go? Yeah, there's no way that if if I was that that girl that I would just be like, yeah, I'm gonna come on a TV show. There are Get so the many hell out of here. There are so many dumb things they did around her storyline. A, why did she go? B, if you were in love with this girlfriend, like, if if she, why would she let Demi go too? The girl, Christian. Well, apparently they weren't like official, and the whole reason why Demi wanted to go was to really explore her feelings to see if she is into guys or girls. Okay, I understand that. But then I hated how everyone was like so supportive of Demi when she like broke up with Derek and then brought her girlfriend well, all the on. Girls were, and then all the guys. No, but the guys were, like, were too. Oh, because they're trying really. to get with the girls. So they're yeah. like, "We love you, De- dude, Diego, or whatever his name is, Dylan, Devin, whatever, Dylan." Dylan. He was like, we love you, Demi. I'm like, shut up, dude. Derek literally just got, like, heartbroken. No, I think, if we're I think some that. of the guys were like, this is not cool. Because then you're basically flaunting your relationship in front of the guy that you just dumped. Not to mention, like, you're bringing someone else on the show. Well, it's, it's just... And it took a date card when, like, you should just fucking leave. It just made it so cheesy. Not, I mean, the show was already cheesy. It was but like, Tuesday's it just, episode of Bachelor in Paradise was one of the worst episodes I've ever seen in Bachelor I history. think we were both bored. We it was like, so boring. I couldn't wait for it to end. Nothing happened. They've been dragging this shit out with Demi and Derek. They dragged out the Blake shit where it's like, Blake, how many fucking girls did you meet at Stagecoach? Oh, I and swear then, to God. And then the whole Katie and I don't even know Chris. Oh, yeah. That was great, though, because she really just fucked it up for herself there. she's a moron. Yeah, because she told Chris in the morning, hey, if you wanted to go, like, meet other girls, you can do that. And he's like, what? And then another girl shows up, and he's like, wow, this girl's beautiful. Maybe I should go talk to her. It's Jen Savarino or Centineo or whatever her last name is, who's, like, really pretty, and all the girls think she's really pretty. Which I don't get, but okay. You don't think she's pretty? I think she's pretty, but, like, I think all of them are pretty. And I think, like, the fact that, like, when she came down and Dean was like, oh, she is, like, the prettiest in Bachelor history, I was like, who, where, Kaylin said similar things. Yeah, and I was just like, how? I don't get it. I've seen prettier. Okay. Maybe you need to follow her on Instagram or something. Well, then it'll be all edited pics. Oh, right. It's it's true. Um, But anyway, she shows up. She asks him on a date because she notices there's slim pickings right now because everyone's kind of, like, buddying up. And uh, he goes on the date, right? That's how this went down. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's he's kind of conflicted, too, because you can tell, like... He's like, yeah, he this pretty girl Katie, likes yeah. me, and you, Katie, really, like, fucked up. And then when he And comes, now Katie's like, I don't want him to go on the yeah. date. And then when he comes back, she's like... Well, I didn't really want you to go. Like, I do have feelings for you. And he's kind of, he calls her up, like, um, Yeah, he's like, he's like, wow, you really don't know what you're talking about. And he was kind of just like, you're saying this because now I'm with somebody else. Yeah, he did say that. You're right. He mentioned, he was like, he's like, I kind of feel like you're only saying this because someone else is showing interest. Yeah. So, interesting, interesting stuff. Um, I'm assuming Monday is going to be more fun. The Tuesday episodes, it seems like, just drag out. I think those are just extended drag outs because you're going to have a rose ceremony on Monday. Yeah. I remember this happened last year. Last year was my first time watching it. Um, and we obviously didn't live together. So, like, I was on my own to watch Tuesday nights or something. And I think I just stopped watching because I was like, this is getting, like, repetitive and boring. Yeah. The one thing that was great about this episode, though, was, and we missed it, Jordan and Christian fighting. Yeah. 
we got to find a way to see that because we we came in like five minutes too late, um, and they both got kicked out. Which I said that might happen if they do fight. Well, we knew that yeah. that was going to happen, and it made cuts easier on Monday. But Jordan is now in Bachelor Hall of Fame because that guy's just so fucking entertaining. What I said was that Jordan knew that he didn't have anybody mm-hmm. that he like was going to give him a rose. And Clay was really into Nicole, and he was buddy-buddy with Clay. And so he was like, I'm going to sabotage Christian for my boy, and yeah. I'm going to get taken off the show because, you know, I'm going to go home anyway. Yeah, because so he, he saw the writing on the wall that yeah, no girls so were in jail. Yeah, he took one for the team. I love it. I absolutely love that theory because it was absolutely And right. then Nicole's like, oh, it was you all along, Clay. Oh, I fucking hate Nicole. I'm so done with her. I think Clay's <laughs> making, like, a big mistake. When she started singing. Oh, yeah. That was so weird. I forgot about the singing. That's so awkward to be on TV. I'm going to sing for you. I'm like, oh, God. And Clay being so, like, monotone, too, was like, oh, my, this is great. Wow. Yes. (laughs) I was like, oh, God, this is the worst. The fact that people are like, oh, they're, like, the best couple in paradise. I'm like, really? Ugh. I think Clay's boring. I get he is boring. I get he's I a just nice like him guy as a person and like whatever, but he bores the crap out of me. Yes. And then Nicole just likes the attention of anybody that will give her attention. Awful characters. It's been it's been up and down. Some episodes have been really fun. Some episodes I'm like I'm fucking done with Blake. I'm done with Demi. Anyway, that's Paradise. Hard Knocks. I've liked Hard Knocks so far, except they really haven't introduced a lot of characters. Last year, when the Browns were on Hard Knocks. They introduced a ton of these guys that weren't going to make the team. And I was wishing they would introduce guys that were going to make the fucking team. Instead, they were like, here's a tight end who collects rocks. They're focusing so much on Antonio Brown. Yeah. It's annoying. And I get it. It's newsworthy right now, so people want to know. But, like, it's either Antonio Brown or it's Derek Carr or John Gruden. That's it. It's the quarterback. It's the wide receiver, the head coach. When the Browns were on it, they had, like, Baker Mayfield, they had, they didn't, they, I mean, they did so much on David Njoku, the tight end, they did the fucking backup tight end that correct, collected rocks, they did defensive linemen that weren't going to make the team, I loved what they did last year, they just did it on the wrong players, they like profiled the wrong guys, I was like, pick guys are going to make the fucking team, or like, you know, and you know, they just show more of Miles Garrett's like ripped motherfucking body, like jacked up and sacking quarterbacks I'm like that works hbo's got those cameras that catch like fucking muscles on muscles don't look at me like that <laughs> i didn't say anything anyway i thought hard knocks i'm like eh, a little bit of a letdown to be honest i think it gets a lot of hype because it's just a tv show about football and people want football but i think building the browns a show on youtube is better <laughs> that's a little biased that's a little biased but i think it is actually done better I don't Regardless. know. I didn't, I've never watched that one, but I've watched Hard Knocks. Regardless. Babe, this was a great episode. It was longer than I thought it was going to be. Every we're looking week. at we're looking at a, uh, an hour and 14 minutes. Sheesh. Yeah, sheesh. We've been talking a lot. But we settled the score. We talked Chicago. We did movie reviews. We talked Browns. A lot of stuff. Now you're yawning. It's late. It's late. Okay. Everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the Jake Podcast. Sorry for making this one a little long, but... Hope you enjoy your weekend. Hope you enjoyed the pod. We're going to talk fantasy football next week with Tom Scotto and uh, probably get another movie review in there. So, Sam, say goodbye. Hope you enjoyed the Jam podcast. Oh, nope. Still the Jake. <laughs> the Jam. The Jake. The-